This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hour number two of Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Stacey Rost and Curtis Rogers here with you for the next hour. 360, when we talked about the running backs last hour in four down territory, when we mentioned Rashad Penny uh, being a guy who needs to develop, uh, maybe more so than any other person on the Seahawks roster right now, 360 says, Don't sleep on Bar- Bo Scarborough on the running backs. And also, Rasheem Green is another person that needs to step up on the Seahawks roster. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I, I there, there were a lot of candidates, but uh, but the, the Bo Scarborough. Is, is one I completely spaced on. And Rasheem Green was lower on there, but I think that's right. I mean, the defensive line certainly needs to to really bulk up and, and increase some of that depth. So you'd like to see him and Jacob Martin take a big step forward too. Well, I, I don't blame anybody for spacing on Bo Scarborough since he was a very under-the-radar move at the end of the yeah. season a year ago, picking him up off of, what was it, Jacksonville's practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a seventh-round pick of Dallas a year ago, but you look at... You know his his college career with Alabama, dude was a wrecking ball. Uh, in in how and he was a big reason as to why Alabama had so much success, uh, at least offensively, moving the ball on other teams. Two five three, uh, they came up with another good candidate on who needs to step up. They say Shaquille Griffin uh, is somebody else that needs to step up. He had a, a I think he took a step back a little bit in his development in twenty eighteen. Maybe I don't know if it's a step back, but it was kind of a lateral step. I think it was a lateral, and I think that he didn't – I think it was a new role and a lot of pressure, and he didn't take the leap forward that he took in his rookie year. So, I mean, it, there was a new challenge, and I think what you'd want to see going into this year is is him meeting that challenge a bit more head-on. Uh, by the way, some breaking news uh, just coming down. The West Coast Conference basketball tournament going on in Las Vegas right now. Everybody assumed Gonzaga was going to roll to that title having only lost two games in the regular season. They got beat tonight, losing 60-47 to to St. Mary's, oh, no. which means that takes out an at-large bid for some other team uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so St. Mary's gets the automatic bid in the West Coast Conference, meaning Gonzaga gets another at-large bid. Uh-huh. Likely, the Zags do get a number 1 seed in the NCAA tournament, but... Not ideal for the Pac-12, which is going to struggle to get more than one school in. And not ideal for the Huskies. Let's say they lose in their first-round matchup uh, in the Pac-12 tournament. Gonzaga not doing anybody favors tonight by losing to St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference tournament. So, uh, yeah, shout-out to the Zags. Only scoring 47 points tonight against St. Mary's in Las Vegas. So uh, some interesting news coming down there. But uh, some other crazy stories. Uh, well, last night, Oklahoma City Thunder star Russell Westbrook got into it with a Utah Jazz fan on the sideline, and it was recorded. Westbrook shouted some profanities back at a Utah Jazz fan in response to what he had said to him. No one quite knew what it was that the Jazz fan said, until Westbrook was asked about it following the game, here is what Res- what Westbrook had to say on the fan confrontation. The realization of it is, is how it started was um, a young, young man and his wife in the stands told me 
uh, to get down on my knees like he used to. And for me, that's just completely disrespectful uh, to me. Um, I think it's racial. Um, I think it's just inappropriate in the sense of um, there's no protection for the players. Um, I think there, there are a lot of great fans around the world that like to come to the game and enjoy the game. And there are people that come to the game and to say mean, disrespectful thing about me, my family. Um, for many years, man, I, I, I've done all the right things. I've never done anything to hurt or harm anybody. Um, I've never been in any trouble. Uh, never fought a fan. Um, been in the league 11 years. Clean slate. You hear Westbrook in, in, in his voice. He He's apologetic for what he said, but I don't think he's apologetic in how he directed it to that fan which I think he has every right to, to feel the way he did. For sure. Especially because of what that fan said to him. And people can say, oh, well, this is just one guy's side of view or view of things. Well, later today, the Utah Jazz came out and banned uh, the fan that got into it with Russell Westbrook for life uh, from their home arena. So clearly that was based on video yeah. review and eyewitness accounts. Yeah. So Westbrook very much uh, within reason to do what he did last night uh, and say what he said to the fan. But I think there's a bigger picture story to this in fan access to athletes in this day and age in 2019. I think fans feel like when you say things to people on social media, you can hide behind the keyboard, you can hide behind the computer screen, and they'll never know your true identity. They'll never know who you are. And I think a lot of times fans see that velvet rope or that fence between them and athletes and feel like that's enough of a barrier to where you can continue to say what it is you want to say and not have any kind of repercussion. It's in public. People have phones nowadays. People record everything. And for fans to continue to feel like they can get away with anything that they want to do, and these athletes just have to sit there and take it because they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Like that's not like that's not justification for acting the way that so many of these fans have acted. We saw it a couple of years ago with the Seahawks when Quentin Jefferson mm-hmm. nearly ran into the stands in Jacksonville because of things that were directed at him. And those fans were also banned. Exactly. Those fans were banned for life from Jacksonville Stadium. To me, I, I think this is a situation where fans specifically need to realize, like, yo, you cannot do this. Like this, just because Russell Westbrook makes. $40 million a year. Yo, you cannot shout racist things at Yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not immunity to, no. to say whatever you want to at this guy. He's a person. He has feelings. Like, words hurt him just the same as they hurt other people. Like, Well, and there's just no place for racist language. And no. I think the problem continues to be a kind of, I don't know if it's anger, resentment, uh, hatred, bigotry on the part of some fans, um, and they they don't turn it off. And I think that because fans uh, are, for the most part, protected, they feel like that what they see as a privilege extends to the game. And um, I think it's a problem. I think we should absolutely continue to fall in line with uh, what the Utah Jazz did earlier, which is banning this fan. I think fans should have consequences. And like you said, saying someone makes 
millions of dollars isn't an excuse. That's no. the market they're in, A. You wouldn't be mad at a, a software engineer making a ton of money in his industry or a CEO if that's how much the industry is. I mean, this is these are multi-billion dollar industries. Why would they not have an incredibly high salary? And they can do things most people on the planet can't do. That's why they pay them so much. I don't know what you want from them, right? Yeah. But it doesn't make it to where you can then say whatever you want because they're making more than you and, and because you feel like they deserve it. It's To me, it's a kind of angry resentment that drives a, a lot of that. And, and Westbrook is a, an NBA player that gets a lot of his energy off of the fans, whether it's negative or positive interaction. This is a guy who loves – I think he loves to be booed. And I think that's something that fuels him throughout a game is when people are doubting him, when people are, are you know, saying, right. oh, like, you're, you're garbage, like, we don't like your team, whatever. But then he's also a guy that's, I think he's one of the most loyal people in the NBA simply because he's not a guy who's gone out and chased superstars to join him in Oklahoma City. Uh, he's also been a guy that's, you know, been like, I'm, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. chase a ring. I'm going to just do what I do here. And, you know, he's a guy who's married his high school sweetheart. He's, you know, got kids with his wife. And, you know, he's just a guy that uh, is a a great role model for kids to look up to. Yeah, he may rub NBA fans the wrong way because of, I guess, kind of how petty he is, how he doesn't forget a beef out there. And he plays that, that sports villain role very well. This fan clearly could not see the difference between Russell Wilson or Russell Westbrook the athlete and Russell Westbrook the person mm-hmm. and very much said awful hurtful things and unfortunately this is not an incident that's unique to the situation this Absolutely is something not. that has happened in sports throughout but it's also happened a lot at Utah Jazz games specifically in fact it's it's happened so much that Donovan Mitchell the Jazz superstar uh, he not he doesn't play music, but he plays for the Jazz. He's a superstar for the Jazz. Got it, got it. Got uh, it. <laughs> he said today he released a statement saying, I'm personally hurt by the incident of the game last night. As a black man living in a community that I love, playing on a team that gives me the opportunity to live out my dream, this incident hits close to home. Racism and hate speech hurts us all, and this is not the first time something like this has happened in our arena. The Utah that I have come to love is welcoming and inclusive, and last night's incident is not indicative of our fan base. We don't want to create a negative reputation for athletes who potentially may want to come to Utah. Another incident that happened about a decade ago, Derek Fisher, point guard for the Lakers, his daughter was diagnosed with eye cancer, and his daughter was a toddler at the time, and jazz fans chanted, cancer. Derek Fisher, which, which is, is disgusting. Yeah, which is deplorable. It's awful. I don't know what it is in Utah, per se, that would cause an entire fan base to say something like that or cause these kinds of incidents to happen on more than one occasion. But if you're the jazz ownership, if you're uh, somebody who's high up in that organization, I think it's time to come out in front of this put a stop to it or 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 else. I don't know what that or else would be, but you've got to be you know 
proactive about this. You can't just sit back and say, well, this is an isolated incident. This is never going to happen again because we've banned this one guy. Mm -hmm. It's not just one guy in these arenas that feels that way. This was just the one time this guy got caught doing it. Exactly. And this is also an ongoing problem in multiple sports. Just earlier this year, um, there was a a semi-pro hockey player in Quebec that people were yelling, a group of young men were yelling racist slurs at. Um, and it's gross. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to fix this problem. It's part of a bigger problem, a much bigger problem. There's yeah. racism is a huge part of that, but then there's a kind of entitlement that goes hand in hand with being a fan. And a lot of fans, uh, know how to handle it and they know how to go to games and they, they boo, they get into it. They, they, uh, protect their team, they do whatever, but they also uh, see that the the team their team is playing is made up of humans and fathers and brothers and sons, uh, and and they don't cross that line. Um, I think the problem is the fans and people who who don't who have a really hard time humanizing players, and in a lot of these examples, most especially black players. Coming uh, or well, the four two five they they say I think fans feel entitled because they pay ticket revenue, apparel revenue, and they feel TV ratings that contribute to athletes' salaries, but that will never make it okay to be racist or ethically, morally inappropriate. Uh, I think by doing that, they feel like they have this invincibility. Sure. Yeah, that, like, well, I bought my pass, and I'm entitled to my fan experience. Yeah, but nowhere on the ticket does it say it's okay for you to yell racist things. Yeah. Like, and maybe what we need is just more like this isn't and this isn't an article or story we'd be talking about 10 years ago. Maybe this is what needs to happen is is you know, you can't stop every single incident, but maybe what you do is say, "Hey, right now we just had a 10-minute segment talking about how the Utah Jazz, a major team, banned a fan for life from their arena." And maybe that's that's what it takes is just making this stuff public. Hopefully this this gets the ball rolling in a very positive direction. Coming up next, a lot of weird stuff going on today, but I don't think anything will top the craziness going on at USC and Stanford today, and it all involves Lori Laughlin. Aunt Becky. A.K.A. TV's Aunt Becky from Full House. Exactly. It couldn't get any weirder. We try and unpack it all next. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up at 845, it's your turn to ask Stacey Rost and myself anything. Coors Light text line is there for you, 710 710. Ask us anything that's coming up at 845. No guarantee we're going to answer everything. But you could try. Yeah, you can try. Ask us Seahawks questions, Game of Thrones questions, life questions, full house questions. Real world road rules challenge questions. Survivor questions. Ask a lot of those. Yeah, absolutely. That's coming up at 845. And then at 830... One NFL Network analyst says Earl Thomas's days in Seattle might not be over. That's coming up in about 10 minutes from now. But today, we all kind of woke up to one of the weirder stories that has ever hit the NCAA. And just 
speaking as an alum of a school that is currently under FBI investigation, it's great to watch other schools get hit by the feds. <laughs> like it is the best You're thing. You're cool ever. with it. Oh no. Oh yeah. It is absolutely the best thing ever. And and what was great is that two of the schools hit today uh were very much or three of the schools because you've got USC, UCLA ah, and Stanford. Other Pac-12 schools. Exactly. Yeah, get them in there. Yeah, it was great to watch them get kind of brought down with this even though a lot of the sports involved aren't necessarily revenue sports. Right. Well, that's the, that's um, yeah, the trick. Yeah, but today the U.S. Attorney's Office in Boston uh, released their findings on what they're calling Operation Varsity Blues uh, because it involves a lot of college coaches accepting bribes in order to get children who are the offspring of very rich people right. into these elite universities. Uh, accepting bribes and, and posing and having them pose as recruitable athletes, and yet none of these kids were actually athletes in these sports. But how they went about doing it is they would Photoshop the faces of these kids onto stock photos of the sports in question. So they would put Joe D- Jane Doe's face right. on the stock photo of like a pole vaulter. Or well, on they would a also make the the coaches that were uh, let go were ones that were also in on it. So they weren't questioning this. They were saying, "No, this is an athlete that we're bringing on. This is someone that is going to play soccer for us." So in in one instance, um, they altered a prospective student's profile and falsely identified her as co-captain of an elite soccer team in Southern California. The student had never played competitive soccer ever. Uh, and then once that student was admitted to Yale, um, they were they mailed a check for four hundred thousand dollars. And that's the thing is some of the parents. So collectively, everyone involved um, paid twenty five million dollars to get their kids into these schools. But that varies. So some parents, at least the bargain parents, ah. you know, maybe they're going for just a fun school. The extreme um, couponers among extreme us. couponers of the one percenters. Yeah. Uh, spent 200,000. That was the low bar. But some parents. 200,000. Like, do you even love your kid at that point? Exactly. <laughs> some parents spent up to six point five oh. million dollars. Oh. And it is. Wow. Yeah. And right now it's looking like Aunt Becky uh, spent about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get her daughter uh, admission into USC. Yeah, was Aunt it two hundred and fifty or half a million? It was half sure. a million. Half a million. Yeah, uh, I believe it was two hundred fifty per kid. Per kid, because she had two daughters trying to get into USC. Yeah, Lori Laughlin, who is known as TV's Aunt Becky from the sitcom Full House, she is among two of the forty people charged in a nationwide college admissions exam scandal. Some other notable names, Felicity Huffman, who starred in Desperate Housewives. Uh, Lori Laughlin's husband, who is the founder of the Massimo clothing company that was in Target stores for years and years. Shout out Target. Yeah, Shout exactly. Target. One, one of the great stores of our of our time. Um, but it, it's so wild how, like, those are maybe the two perfect celebrities to throw in here because they're just famous enough to catch your attention when you uh-huh. see their name in the headlines. But then it's like, wait, what? Lori Laughlin? Because they pop out from your memory. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't know what Lori Laughlin. If I said, what's Aunt Becky, the actress that played Aunt Becky, what's her name? I'd, 
I'd probably get around to saying Lori Laughlin, but well, you would, but yeah. I think nine out of ten people would not. No, they'd be like, Becky Katsopoulos. Yeah, like, that's her name. That's like she. What that's, do you mean? What's yeah, her name? Exactly. Um, but there is some weird audio as when all these scandals come out, the paper trail, people kind of start sniffing around and they find things mm-hmm. at Felicity Huffman. They found a tweet of hers from 2016 oh, when she asked, says, quote, does anyone know any back to school hacks? Oh, like, Ooh, no, do you? Yeah. Well, apparently she allegedly does because Felicity Huffman she doctored an SAT score for her daughter. Um, but then Lori Laughlin's daughter, who is a YouTube personality named Olivia Jade. These she... are the jobs. See, you hate on us 80s children, but those the social media influencers are all 90s kids. It's or all 2000s. Ni- 2000s. Well, Olivia nope, Jade, 90s. who is Lori Laughlin's daughter, she was born in 99. So, so she's, she's 90s. You guys are both 90s kids. Uh, don't try to fight this. Okay, so... Olivia Jade, this is, I don't, I don't know how anybody would know this, but she's a YouTube personality and she films vlogs and in these, she talks about her experiences in high school and college. This was from a vlog shortly before she was admitted into USC. Let's take a listen. I don't know how much of school I'm going to attend, but I'm going to go in and talk to my deans and everyone and hope that I can try and balance it all. Um, but I do want the experience of, like, game days, partying. I don't really care about school. Ooh. It makes me so mad. Like, we've been, Ugh. all of us uh, on the news side, everyone has been joking about this all day because it is funny. I mean, it's Aunt Becky. Yeah. Come on. But it makes me so mad. I'm genuinely upset about this because these are people that were using smaller sports programs like uh, USC's, who was involved Women's here? water polo. Texas men's tennis, U- UCLA men's soccer, Wake Forest volleyball, USC Stanford, women's water Stanford polo. Stanford sailing. Stanford sailing. Uh, women's tennis and men's tennis at Georgetown. These sports that weren't the big money sports, they were using them to, to pay their kids' way into school. And it's awful, awful, because schools... Big universities already have a problem with making kids that are underrepresented feel welcome. And these kids are kids that didn't earn their spot. No. Their parents bought their spot into that school. And I guarantee you they didn't, like, question their placement there or whatever. Maybe they did, but I highly doubt it. And meanwhile, there are kids that are going to these schools that are are questioning whether they're good enough and they work their tails off to get there. Um, Or athletes that are balancing their – the sports that they're doing, which is basically a full-time job if it's, like, a football or basketball program – and schoolwork. It's just awful. It, it really does make me mad. Yeah. It, I'm fired up. Exactly. Because when these kids buy their way into school, that takes a spot away from somebody who, in any other circumstance, probably would get in. Which, but when they you don't try have the to means make, yes. to raise $500,000. Which and, makes your affirmative action argument so ironic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on now. Like, Jane Doe, who is growing up in an underprivileged neighborhood, does all the coursework needed, gets a 4.0 in high school, but doesn't have, like, the extracurriculars that USC is looking for, 
Meanwhile, Olivia Jade, YouTube personality, 1.3 million Instagram followers, like gets Amazon ads on her pages. Right. Shout out Amazon. Yeah. Like, meanwhile, Lori Laughlin's over there cutting the check, dropping the bag for (laughs) $250,000. Like, how can you compete with that? Right. That's the thing. That's the thing is it feels like. Uh, most of the people, me, you, and most of the people listening, we aren't in that group. And so it feels like you're you're like, I didn't even know this was my opponent. I didn't even know this was the fight yeah. I was in. It, like, and the thing that's bad about it, too, is it really is. We've been talking about it like it's a funny story because it is wild. But, I mean, you, you can't overlook that there are NCAA violations and pretty serious ones. Yeah. Then a few of these coaches that are implicated in this have lost their jobs today. Stanford sailing coach, he was fired. I believe UCLA's men's soccer coach, he was also fired today. Um, so these people were also in on it. They, I think they knew that they were going to get a large chunk of all of this cash that's coming into these schools. And they're like, okay, I mean... I'm getting $400,000 to not add somebody to my team. I'm getting $400,000 to add somebody to the school who I'm probably never going to be in contact with. Like, I don't see why any coach would decline that offer. All I know is that if I'm Aunt Becky and I see a video of my daughter saying she doesn't like school or care about school, when I just dropped half a million dollars... Oh, yeah. No. Then we got a problem. Yeah, let's let's take a listen to it again. I'm, I don't know how much of school I'm going to attend, but I'm going to go in and talk to my deans and everyone and hope that I can try and balance it all. Um, but I do want the experience of, like, game days, partying. I don't really care about school. She clearly didn't go to enough classes to learn that how much of school isn't grammatically correct. Yeah. Like, and also... I, mean, I don't care if I'm making fun of a child. Go right ahead. I don't even care. Like... She was involved in this. I, I have a hard time imagining that Olivia Jade didn't know what was Olivia, going on with this. You knew. Yeah. Especially- well, no, because Aunt, uh, I need to stop calling her Aunt Becky, but I keep forgetting that her name is Lori Laughlin, had to reach out to have the guy that ran this whole thing, um, whose name, what is it? He's So he's running the whole thing, Singer. Yeah. Um, I don't know his first name. He, they had to reach out to whatever kind of company, whether it was him or whether he had people working for him, to just fill out her application or, or get some of that in order. Um, I don't know. That was in one of the indictment pages. But it's just – it's such a mess. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Clean what's going up, on. Guys. Clean Come it on. up, yeah. Come on. When I look to Stanford Sailing, I expect better. Yeah. The, the prestigious program that is Stanford Sailing – also, there's nothing wrong with going to a school that's not among the elite. Like, you don't need to go to Georgetown or to USC or UCLA or Yale or Stanford to have, you know, self-worth. Like, Stop trying to recruit people for Arizona while we're down. on the airwaves. You can go down here. to we're Tucson, Arizona. We're trying to have Arizona. a radio show, Curtis. The old Pueblo itself. I knew what this was. I could spot it a mile away. Dirt bags right there on Speedway. Heck of a Get dive bar. Get into some old-fashioned scandals. Exactly, yeah. The way what? God intended. Exactly. The only scandal we recognize is one involving your basketball team. That's the when, only one yeah, that matters. When, when we're trying to drop bags as well. But, uh, yeah, just some craziness 
continuing to go on in the NCAA. But you look at the sports involved here quickly before we get going. Is college football still has avoided this kind of scandal while all these other sports, college basketball, today it was women's soccer, it was volleyball, sailing, water polo, tennis, men's soccer, College football, the biggest revenue mm-hmm. generator in the entire NCAA, has avoided a situation like this so far. You mean avoided being mentioned in this or has overall avoided these kinds of admission scams? Avoided these kinds of admission scams, avoiding avoided these kinds of recruiting scams, the way the FBI is breathing down college basketball's yeah. neck right now. you got to wonder if college football's day in the sun is coming. Well, they've already... College football has faced... Plenty of NCAA scandals in itself, right? Look at USC when Pete Carroll was yeah, there. Yeah, SMU I feel like, got the death penalty. Yeah, but I feel like they've always been um, on the edge of... I mean, the only big legal case that I can think of right away is Sandonsky. Yeah, that was a Which situation. Which is a different situation, yeah. but that was a, as big a scandal as I think college football has seen in a long time. And it was horrible. But um, but in terms of like in dropping terms of bags. this kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. With the amount of money that like shoe companies are throwing around there with these programs, you got you to gotta think college football is about to get something along the lines of what college basketball Maybe has. it's harder to, A, sneak a kid onto into one of those spots or onto a football scholarship that clearly isn't supposed to be there. Or B, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. We're going to find out. We will find out. Coming up next, it's time for Big If True. One NFL Network analyst kind of hints that maybe Earl Thomas's days in Seattle aren't over. We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Ross right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airline Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. About 15 minutes from now, it's your turn to ask us anything. Coors Light text line is there for you, 710-710. Curtis Rogers and Seahawks insider Stacy Rost holding it down here, Seattle Sports at Night, uh, with you for about 25 more minutes on this Tuesday night, we'll be back with you tomorrow night. Uh, Mariners wrapping up their Cactus League schedule. You can hear that right here on 710 ESPN Seattle tomorrow. Uh, talking about, I guess, the uh, the fallout from Operation Varsity Blues. Coors Light text line there uh, from the 813 says, I love how, she's excited, how she says she's excited to talk to the Deans. Like, what? That was my favorite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was my favorite reaction to anything because... What? Like is who? My also my reaction. Yeah, to who? That. Like very first day of freshman year, you, you ask somebody. Your deans? Yeah, you ask somebody like, "What are you looking forward to the most about your college experience?" Talking to my deans. Yeah, just hamming it out with my deans. It sounds like what's that movie um, where who's the guy? He looks like Steve Buscemi, but or who's the guy that's always in Adam Sandler movies? And it's like a gif now, and he comes. I'm not 
very cultural. Oh, is it? It's Steve Buscemi, yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. How do you do, fellow yes, kids? How do you yeah. do, fellow kids? But it's that. <laughs> if it was also a child, but a child who is pretending to not be incredibly rich. Yeah, they're detached. trying to be. They're like, trying to be like a what they think is a regular it. kid. So they're like, no, I I also love buying. Uh, milk and cereal. Yeah, How much I, is that? $60? I am going to talk to my deans <laughs> like as though that's something you do on a regular basis. Like, no, that's, yep. that's just not part of the college experience for most people. Uh, but yeah, just a wild story. We could go all day on this, but we're not going to. We're not. To. No, we're going to move on. Yeah, there, there are bigger tasks at hand, at least locally, including the future of Earl Thomas and whether or not that actually involves Seattle. Well, today on Danny David Moore, one NFL Network analyst, Will Blackman, he stopped by and gave, I guess, a, a, an interesting hint as to what Earl Thomas may be considering right now. We'll get to that in Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's Big If True, Will Blackman, NFL Network analyst, also former member of the Seahawks secondary in their peak years, 2012-2013. Uh, Blackman, he joined Danny David Moore earlier today and was asked where he thinks Earl Thomas uh, could be next season. Here is what Blackman had to say. You know what's crazy? So my prediction was, I was like, you know what, I would love to see Jaguars just go all in, get Nick Foles and Earl, especially because they're like win-now ready and they can afford both. But I don't know. I, I heard some, some, uh, some conversations of something, rumors, that possibly he may want to come back. Okay. Wow. Well, I mean, that right there, You, if it were somebody from the media, I think I'd be, like, quick to dismiss it. But this Someone is like from a, the media? Oh, well, you mean like a standard? Like a, yeah, like a reporter, okay, okay. somebody who is a beat writer. Bob Condota. Yeah. <laughs> Typical Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but like like an Adam Schefter or well, actually no, Adam Schefter's pretty. He's a lot more reputable than like Ian Rapoport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Will Blackman played with Earl Thomas. He knows guys in the Seahawks locker room still. I don't think he would have said that if there weren't some truth to it. I don't think he's somebody that would leave a, a, a little. A little nugget like that out there for us to yeah. to chew on without having something behind it. Well, because you have to think that even if the information is out there to try to garner a more competitive offer for Earl Thomas from another team to try to drum up that a return to Seattle is an option, you still... I'd, that's an option, but I don't know if I completely think that's the sole reasoning behind it because I don't know that Will Blackman would have just said that for that reason. I think that I think that the conversation really is that the assumption that all bridges were burned may be wrong. And that I mean this is this is a guy who, after breaking his leg in two thousand seventeen the first time said, I'm retiring, or was pretty set on retiring. That's true. And then decided not to. And that's not to say 
uh, he's rash or doesn't stand behind his beliefs. But I think it's to say that it's a passionate guy who's pretty headstrong and that he may have since admitted that, oh, maybe I feel differently about it. But I still don't think he's coming back to Seattle. That, I don't I don't think that's what Will is saying. That is a great point to bring up about Earl Thomas in that he has had some very knee-jerk reactions in the past, uh, obviously talking about when he was threatening retirement, uh, when he broke his leg the first time, and then also uh, last or well, following when he went into the Cowboys locker room where he said, come get me, but then it was like, well, I mean, come get me under these circumstances. Earl is a guy that's very passionate. He's a guy that, I think he puts the cart before the horse lots of times. If he does come back to Seattle, I would be very surprised. But at the same time, when you hear something like that and you kind of unpack the layers a little bit about the situation and knowing that Pete Carroll and John Schneider, I think, would love to have him back because of the talent that he is and what he's meant to the organization, if I think they would love to have him back if the dollar amount comes back to what it is that they were offering him or what they want to offer him. Mm -hmm. It's just that you look at the other offers out there. Earl Thomas may be coveted more by other teams. His market may be drying up because Kansas City went out and got Tyron Matthew. Uh, Washington went out and got Landon Collins. The Giants just traded for Jabril Peppers. There are a lot of teams out there that have addressed that need at safety. And all of a sudden now you've got, uh, you've got a lot more questions than answers. If you're Earl Thomas in this negotiation. And to be fair, there's still at the end of the workday today, we're still some rumblings about the Browns having interest. And Jason lock two hours ago said the Browns are feeling good about their chances to land Earl Thomas uh, not sitting back at all. Um, so, I mean, there's still something that could happen there. Again, like, I think that, I think the conversation you and I are having is about the safety market and just about Earl Thomas as a person and less about how high the odds are of Seattle to sign Thomas. I don't think that's necessarily, at least the what I'm thinking. I'm not looking at it as that happening. I'm still not convinced at all that that's happening. And I think... Another team will get something done. But I think it it did change my perception of how that relationship came to a close. Yeah, and I think they never say never in the NFL. Uh, you know, just how quickly things happen. I don't think anybody expected Cleveland to be in this position two years ago when they were 0-16. Now you look at this offense, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, uh, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Miles Garrett, uh, Sheldon Richardson today, Olivier Vernon a couple days ago. You've got Denzel Ward, who was a first-round pick last year at cornerback. I mean, they've got guys now. I don't think anybody projected Cleveland to be where they were or to be where they are right now mm-hmm. just two years ago. Now all of a sudden, could that be the landing spot for Earl Thomas? 
Remains to be seen, but we are definitely going to keep our eye on that over the next couple of days. You can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Accurate dealers. Coming up next, we answer your questions and ask us anything. So text Coors Light text line 710-710. That is next. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Rost right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports at Night. Just about set here on this Tuesday, but before we go, it is time to answer your text questions. Ask us anything on the Coors Light text line. 710-710. Stacy Ross, what are you seeing out there that's catching your eye? All right, this is from the 253. Emerald City Comic Con is this weekend at the convention center. Would you ever attend? Dress up as who? I'd go. I have gone. Really? Yeah. Did you pay to go? No. Okay. So it was like a was it a credentialed? No, someone had an no. extra pass. Oh, okay. And they invited me and it was really fun. I think I would I would enjoy that. Comics aren't necessarily my thing, but I think there's enough at those events for everybody well, like, to catch your interest. There's like TV show stuff there. Like yeah. um, at Comic-Con, I don't know if it's in San Francisco uh, or There's the one LA. in San Diego. The one in San Diego, they have like the Game of Thrones cast there, yeah. or they had. I don't know if they will now, but they'll have movies uh, like Star Wars, The Last Jedi. The yeah. cast was there for that. They use that to like... Want, like have trailer releases. Yeah, and, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I would go to Emerald City Comic Con. Would you dress up? Uh, what if you had to dress? If up? If I had to dress up, uh, I would dress as Arthur from the TV show oh, with the yellow, yellow sweater and yep. the white would collared you, shirt with the would red. Would you shoes. hold the fist by yeah, your just, side and be like uh, so angry, uh, but being silent about it? Yes. That's I think who I, I would dress up as. I think it would be BB-8, but I would be, Oh, yeah, from Star Wars. Yeah, and I would be one of the ones that are actually really huge so that I could fit snacks. Oh, there you inside. go. Inside, and then, yeah. Now, would would your costume roll from place to place, or would you, your arms No, I'd be walking. Be my Yeah, my arms would be out. I could bump people out of the way. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea. Uh, text coming in from the 206 saying... When is the optimal time to go to your local grocery store? Well, I guess to avoid crowds? Or, well, it depends what you want to see. Yeah. If Are you, you trying to see some weirdos? Go at... 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> then you're going to see some weird people. No lines. One line is open. Yeah. Uh, and pretty much no one is there, but the people that are there... Every single one of them, including you, are looking at each other, yeah. trying to decide who the weirdest person in the store is right now. And if now, you can't find the weirdest person, it's you. It's you. <laughs> it's, it's you're the you. weirdest person. That's, it's an unfortunate reality. This is, okay, so this uh, is a question from the 360. Who I think I heard it earlier today, too, so I appreciate this question being asked. If you had to pretend to be an athletic recruit to get into college, what sport would you have, quote, played coming mm, out of high school okay uh what sport would i have played so i think this is if the, i was gonna be a fake recruit look at the question this way this is how i'm looking at it number one what sport did you play that you could ride and just kind of use that going into school number two what are you actually good at uh that you could take that offer 
I played I played baseball growing up. Was never good enough to play it at the college level. But I don't know if I play like do they have quiz bowl scholarships? Yeah, just like a trivia. Just trivia scholarship. That's what I'm best great at. at a trivia scholarship. Yeah. We need to turn this segment one day into just a trivia segment. Okay. Where, uh, yeah. Jake and I just ask random Pepper questions. me with questions. Yep. Yep. Um, what would you? What would yours be? Uh, in high school, I swam. I was very bad at it. Tenth place. Tenth. You, that's not nothing. No. It's I got better a ribbon. Than, better than eleventh. Uh. I think I'm gonna go if it's if it's a sport that exists. I'm going with like I think the sailing team is a yeah. fun one because how often do you do that? And, and when who, you do, you're on a boat. Yeah, and who out there can question someone's sailing abilities unless you've been on a boat with that person? Right, exactly. Or unless ninety nine percent of people team. I come across have never been on a boat with me. Nope. I think the only person, the only people I've ever been on a boat with are like my parents and my sisters. That's it. I mean, I've been on, like, a cruise ship, but that's not the same. I'm talking about, like, a... You aren't on the cruise team. Stanford no. cruise ship team. Yeah. we. <laughs> it's basically below deck. Yeah. You work on a cruise ship. <laughs> God. Uh, from the 206, what was your favorite cartoon as a kid? Favorite cartoon as a kid? Uh, Doug was up there. It's obviously Arthur, because I said I'd dress up as him. But favorite cartoon, Rugrats was up there as well. Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. Nickelodeon really cornered the market Nickelodeon on Nickelodeon killed it. Hey Arnold would be number one for me. I liked Rugrats. I watched it a lot. It's not the one that came to mind immediately. Also, can we shout out Rocket Power? Yes. No one ever mentions Auto Rocket, Rocket Power. I yeah. love Auto, Rocket Power. Reggie, Twister, and Sam. That was, that was the gang right there. Uh, text from the 813. I like this one. Besides meeting my deans, what's another incredibly unrealistic thing you guys would do on your first day of college? Drive anywhere. Yeah. You, no one has a car. Exactly. And the parking is ridiculously expensive around any college campus. This is this is unrelated to the actual question, but related to the first day of college. So I'm just going to tell it. Do I have like 30 seconds? You do. Okay. Um, on the first, my actual first day of college, uh, my my college roommate Sasha, who I am still really good friends with, we just went to Cabo together. Um, she, we went to a restaurant. It's no longer there. It was on the Ave, um, and she ordered blueberry pancakes. We were going to get a fun breakfast before class, and they brought out pancakes, no blueberries. This girl always gets, no matter where we go, every single time there's a mistake with a food order. It has always been her, and it's the funniest thing ever. So she goes, hey, I'm so sorry. I ordered blueberry pancakes. You know, can I can I send them back and can I get them? And they were like, yeah, cool. They don't care. This this place is crowded. They don't care about anyone. It's uh-huh. the first day of classes. They bring out the same order of pancakes. Oh, no. Same one. Everything is the same. They're cold now. Only now they put a handful of blueberries oh. on top of the pancakes. I know. Oh. Awful. That's Awful order. Terrible. I know. Poor Sasha. I need them. And with that, that is going to do it for us here on this Tuesday night. Uh, You can check the podcast page, 710sports.com. Subscribe on iTunes and on Google Play to Seattle Sports at night. We're going to be back with you tomorrow night. It's going to be all three of us. For Stacey Rost, I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.